Hello, and welcome to Building a T-Shirt Empire. My name is Cole, and this is Gavin. Gavin, say hello to the people. Hey, what's up, people? It's Gavin here, founder of SEPS.io and the host of T-Shirt Business Podcast. And this week, we're also joined by Kevin Baumgartner from Set Sales. Uh, Kevin, let's just start with a overview of what your day looks like. What are you doing at the moment? Yeah, juggling a lot. Juggling family fun, uh, first and foremost, and then business stuff. So I've a uh, day in the life. I'm working with like two to three shops at a time, helping them build strategy, sell more sales process, sales scripting, sales commission, CRM, you know, you name it, anything sales related. I'm in the weeds, talking to shops, helping them. With set sales, like what is the main mission and how do you see how that impacts print shops? I got introed into this crazy industry, like, I don't know, seven years ago. And the more conversations that I had, I think the more I realized that there's just not a lot of background and structure and support when we think about like actually selling at a print shop, print shops do a lot of things really, really well. But uh, what I found is they don't have like a focus on sales. Yeah, that's really what, what I found. Like from a mission perspective, my goal is to work with shop owners and do everything that I can to help them be more productive and the mission, like helping shops grow. So speaking of shops, um, not really being focused on sales, which I know that I'm very guilty of. What do you feel like is the cause of them not being able to do outside sales successfully? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. First of all, if you take a step back and you look at most screen printers, they do a really, really, really good job of like owning production. They have as SOPs, they've got structure, right? A lot of them are artists. So like they've got the design process and the approach and production like dialed. And think about like, you know, Cole, when you've wanted to buy equipment, the process that you went through in decision-making to purchase equipment, well, like all the things that go into printing a shirt, it is like methodical and thought-provoking. But when you think about like, how am I going to grow? <laughs> how am I going to drive revenue? How am I going to build this business in this crazy industry that we're in? Like that, it hasn't been thought about a lot and there's not a lot of like emphasis and focus and prowess on that. It's just, it's super fascinating to me. And I've, I've said this before, it's most businesses need sales or marketing or both to grow. And we just rely on word of mouth referrals and just people like saying, Hey, cool. I need shirts, right? Like that's how we've built this business. If I look at the prescription or the why behind it, like why are shops not great at this and not focused on it? A lot of them haven't had to. You know, I, I talked to shops, multi-million dollar revenue producing shops that have never really had to get to the scale that they're at, have a productive outbound like engine driving that new revenue or a really strong marketing prowess driving revenue. So I just think it's kind of the nature of our business that we, in a lot of cases, don't have to have it. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have it, right? So like growing revenue, a lot of shops want that, right? We've seen a crazy 2023 so far. Like a lot of shops are down year over year. Q1 was rough for a lot of people, right? So now like I'm having more and more conversations because people are like, hey, we need to take a more front seat approach to sales because we really haven't in the past. Yeah, I mean, I can totally relate to that. Like, I feel like we have a situation where a little bit of sales success completely destroys our production. And so you kind of have to have this balance of, you know, you always want to be busy in the slow months. When you're busy, the idea of going out and landing another 5,000 units is literally like, it's more money, but it sounds terrible because you're like, we're already in the weeds. What do you think is your suggestion for managing growth 
but also not just over-promising to the customers. Yeah, it's tough, right? You got to juggle production capacity and what we're selling and like volume, right? There's a lot of that. There are some shops that have like plenty of capacity and they can keep going. And there are others that are like, I'm busting at the seams. I don't want someone to go proactively sell because I can't. I think it's pretty situational. I do think though, when I'm working with shops and trying to figure out like, what's our strategy and our approach to go outbound and try to find and bring in new customers? Usually the first thing that we do is try to figure out what that target is. Who's our market? What niche are we playing in? Who do we want more business from and of? Where's our profitable business coming from? I mean, every shop I think that's listening can take a step back and think about, all right, got all these customers that yes, they might be driving revenue, but it's not the work that we want or at the profit margin we want or the type of work we want, right? In that instance, when people are like, yeah, I don't really need any business. Like I'm good. I'm at capacity. My question is always like, is it the right capacity that you want? And oftentimes that answer is no, like we can always upgrade the level of customers we have. A, a lot of shops will fire their bottom 10% of clients that they don't enjoy working with, or there's some reason why they don't like it. If you have that consistent outbound approach and outbound sales strategy, you can always dump that that bottom percent and, and fill it in. Tell me a little bit about tools and how we can use them to optimize the sales. Do you just grab any random CRM off the shelf and start contacting people with a cold lead? Or how do you utilize those tools to do something that other people aren't, you know, just coming up with with a Google search? There are a number of tools out there now, which which helps, right? It makes us more efficient. It helps automate the process. It's great. Like, yes, tools are important, but there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen before that. And I would argue after. So like, for example, what's your target market? Do you have leads? Do you have like a strategy for acquiring? What are you going to say in an email campaign when you send it? Like, what is your messaging? So there's a lot of like fundamental things that need to happen upfront. Then yes, let's look at tooling, right? From a CRM perspective, there's so many options out there right now. And when I look at most shops, they're using base CRMs that don't have like heavy functionality, but are like easy to use, good UI, the, the, the experience that the salespeople would have or the owners that would have that are interacting with it are pretty strong. So like I've been, I've been working with Pipedrive a lot lately, Close.io, Nutshell, Monday, HubSpot, like Salesforce. I, I've only ran into two shops that running are running Salesforce and it's for specific reasons, right? Like that's not a good option for most. My recommendation on CRM is just find something easy to use. The two key points of criteria for like why you're going to utilize the CRM or the value that you're going to get from it. One is just activity history and con content management, contact management. It's like all of the people that I'm reaching out to and all the conversations and all the activity history is organized now. So I can see all of that. I can work back and forth. Everything's right there in one place. On the other end of that is deal strategy, deal pipeline, deal flow. When I'm working with someone, I'm starting to quote a job. I can move that through like a pipeline flow and see what, what's my probability, what revenue is coming in, how is my pipeline performing? Like what's my forecast essentially, right? Those are the two main reasons that I, that I use those. But there also needs to be email automation. If you are going outbound, email is obviously one of the mediums that we're using to, to try to target folks. So there's gotta be a way to send automated emails. MailChimp, Constant Contact, Drip. There's a number of different tools there. But also CRMs have a lot of that functionality built in as well. So Pipedrive is a perfect example. They've got an email automation platform built in. I dump the leads in. I set a campaign. I, I build a campaign and I can just automate it and send it out directly through the CRM and have all that live in one place. After I've got CRM input, like that's when the work starts. Now you got to do the outreach. Now you got to build a campaign. <laughs> 
Now you got to pick up the phone and start calling people and sending the emails. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. I think a lot of shops think about like, I'm going to plug in a CRM and that's it. Gavin, I mean, you have a bigger sales team than I do. And you've actually, as far as acquiring new clients, you've accomplished a lot more than me. So uh, what's your experience been with managing a sales team? And also what's your experience been in the past with working with Kevin? Yeah. So I saw Kevin, I think about two years ago, I actually saw him in a video. I was like, I need to reach out to this guy. But a, a year had passed and we, when we was launching steps.io, I know we have a cleaner sales strategy, a cleaner way to just try to go to market, right? And the sales side was not a side where I felt like I had a lot of strength in. Like I felt like I could build a team. I felt like I could uh, build operations, but sales is a different, a whole different beast. Experience with Kevin, well, first of all, it was awesome. Uh, for, for all the work. So my thing for Kevin, really question for Kevin, like what are you seeing for shops? Like when they start to use you, what transformation are they happening? What problem are you seeing and what transformation are you seeing after they use set sale? Yeah, it's Gavin, it's a lot like the work that you and I did, right? Like Gavin was like, we don't really have like a prescriptive approach. You didn't have like a set sales process in place. Yeah. You had some some like messaging and scripting and you had some sales decks. And so like the work that you and I did to like build all that stuff out and make it better and customize it, like that's the same thing that I'm really doing with shops, right? Is going in, let's define what the best practice sales process should look like. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we took some of your sales decks and like made them way more simpler, made it way less wordy, yeah. made it way more customer facing, right? That's the same exact thing that I'm doing with shops. It's like a lot of shops will talk about like their printing process and I use water-based inks and I have DTG, like customers don't give a shit about that. Yep. Like they care, they care about what they care about, like quality, uh, reliability, cost, right? Like they want good quality shirts at a fair price at quick turnaround yep. with good customer service, right? So all of our messaging and sales language and, and communication should be aligned to like what they care about. So that's the work that Gavin and I did. And it's, it's the work that I do with shops. And it's like, my goal is like, they're in a, after we work together, they're in a way better place sales-wise. Like ultimately why I love doing this work is it's like, this is not like to save expenses or to make operational efficiencies greater. This is like to sell more, which is like driving revenue, which yeah. is top, top line of the business. It's like even little improvements can make a pretty big impact in the, in this area. What I remember what I got from it was, well, one, you have to be succinct and concise with your presentation, right? Because customer only has this much or really a very short attention span. So you have to get your, sure. message, your messaging out in the most succinct, uh, concise ways possible. So if you are doing a presentation, what are those keywords that you're going to hit? How you going to guide the customer to tell the story that you want to tell them, right? What are stuff that you're going to eliminate that you're showing? I rem That's what I remember from all of this. Because I think when we first start, I don't know about you you kind of proud of what you got. Oh, I got this beautiful press. Oh, I got all, I, I, I could do water-based. I could do this. And you want to show everything you could do. You're literally losing the sale, right? Uh, because if you could narrow it down to just walk the customer to down a, a more direct path with less friction, with less information, you would close the sale faster. That's what I remember. And it, I took that to heart to try to, that was already part of our company culture anyway, like as part of our company value, we want it to be simple, but to actually yeah. do it is a different thing, right? On that note of conciseness. So I had, I've had some shops being like, Hey, I'm, you know, using chat GPT to start build email templates and they'll send it to me. 
And every single time it's like way too long. It's not yeah. concise enough. So I started yeah. to build, I'll just share a little nugget here. I started to build templates using chat GPT. Like I think I have pretty good email templates and campaigns, but I started to use it more. What I'll do is I'll say like, write an email to the owner of a small construction company in Milwaukee, highlighting these two areas. We get uniform and apparel needs of construction companies. And I want to set up a time to talk to them to see if we can help them. And then below that, I'll put in the prompt tone equals direct and concise 50% Spartan. Like this is it. And here's, here's the email that I got out of this. It's pretty strong. Dear owner's name. I'm reaching out to you from owner construction company, provider of uniform and apparel solutions for construction companies. Our team specializes in meeting the uniform needs of the businesses in the construction industry. Our solutions are designed to provide the reliable, high quality workwear, not only that meets safety requirements, but also promotes, promotes a professional image of your team. Please let me know a convenient time for us to talk and I'll schedule accordingly. Excited to see how we can help you. Thanks for your time and consideration. It's like, to the point, we help other construction companies. Can we help you as well? It's yeah. like, kind of better than what I've <laughs> written. So, but to your point, Gavin, conciseness, super, super important. It's fun that you're talking about the using chat GPT because in a lot of ways, especially customer service roles, that's what people are most kind of afraid of. Like we've been playing with it. We actually integrated it in our Slack so that we could automatically reply to like customer emails without even opening like the browser tab. And the pushback I got pretty quickly from uh, our main customer service person was like, I want to use my voice. And I'm kind of like, well, I want to use like a professional voice, you know, so it's <laughs> kind of finding that balance. And Gavin, I don't know if it was on the podcast or privately, but he was telling me the exact same pushback happened with one of his artists where he was talking about, you know, using some of these tools to at least give yourself a template for the art, even if you're going to have to finish it up in Illustrator or whatever later. And so what do you think is the best way to use these tools? And also not just say, hey, we're eliminating all our staff in two years, which is probably not realistic anyway. It's got a long way to go. It's like, like right. again, this is that prompt structure that I've created. It took me a long time to figure out how to get there. And I still think it could be better. So like, and someone's got to put in the prompt, like mm -hmm. there is a lot of automation that can happen, but I, I see large enterprises, big tech companies, software companies taking that jump a little bit sooner than like screen printing. I think our industry is probably going to be a little bit slow to adapt this technology to really automate and get rid of people if ever, right? With the size of our businesses and the approach, I think it's going to take a really long time. I do think though, like they can help and they can automate. And if especially for like natural language and writing. I think this is a great opportunity to use technology to help make us more efficient and help us communicate better with our customers, with our employees, with our teams. It's like all the above. Use it, take advantage of it. It is the it's phenomenal at, at making you not sound rude when you're telling someone no. Love that. Yes. It is amazing at that. When you're already pissed off and it's going very badly and then you just tell it what to say, it's so much better than what you I agree. Know. From what I see, the written words, the words that you see on an email, the words that you see on a flyer is so important, right? Like before ChatGPT came around, I tried to hire a copywriter. Those people was expensive, yeah. really expensive. And if you, and I tried to use like foreign people to try to write, you will find foreign people, but it would just will not sound natural to the English language. So ChatGPT is like a major win for a lot of small businesses. Love it. 
So Kevin, I'd love to hear a little bit about that original journey, like how you got into this industry and um, your experience with sales maybe beforehand that allows you to have this unique insight. Yeah. So my, my whole career, a little over 20 years, sales and sales management, sales leadership for mainly smaller entrepreneurial, a lot of tech and software based companies, a lot of venture back tech that were like heavily, you know, heavy growth, growing fast. I spent a couple of years at a sales consultancy as well, where we would go into businesses and help them build sales process and improve sales and coach and train their sale, their salespeople and sales teams. Been lucky, have, have had some great experiences. My favorite was uh, I was the first employee outside of the founders at a growth tech business that we ended up raising a few rounds of VC funding. We raised over $30 million, uh, grew revenue well above that, grew the sales organization to like 50 people. It was a crazy, a crazy run, a crazy four or five years. So from there, I spent started spending a lot of time in like tech incubators. Chicago, I, I was living in Chicago at the time. They've got a really good cohort of like small tech and incubators and little like startup communities. And I met Bruce Ackerman from Printavo in one of those. We created a, a friendship and a relationship. And after I started working with him to grow the sales team at Printavo, he was like, you know, you got to start calling print shops. Like <laughs> they need help with sales. And I talked to one and that snowballed into me building this like little niche consulting sales strategy practice solely for print shops. And that was probably, I met Bruce maybe six, seven years ago and have worked with I don't know hundred, hundreds of shops really heavily with maybe 70 plus in the last uh, probably about five years. Wow, that's amazing. Like it sounds like you owe him 10% of your revenue. He reminds me of that often. Yes, <laughs> yes, he will tell you that. What's the future? I mean, are you, you're, you're just a single man. So how much, what do you want to do with set sales going forward? And are there any new upcoming projects that you're trying to work on? Yeah. So I, I love what I'm doing. I want to continue doing it. And I, you know, I want to take uh, shops that really want to focus on growing and selling. So I'll continue to scale this. I am uh, spinning up uh, another business, uh, sales.inc, sales.inc, launching it hopefully June 1. Um, we'll have our first cohort start July one. What I found was kind of a, a miss in our industry of supporting salespeople. There's not a lot of like outbound sellers at screen print shops. There's a lot of like order takers or inbound account managers, customer success folks. There are a few like true outbound sellers that are going out, finding new logos, finding new businesses and growing sales. What I found is like, they re usually report up to the owners of the shop, right? And they aren't always supported well that like shop owners aren't sales leaders. They're not sales managers. And I think back to earlier in my career, like all these sales managers had such a huge impact on my success and they aren't supported as well as I think they could be. So what I'm, what I'm turning sales.inc into is essentially a, an online membership community like I'll try to find 15 to 20 salespeople at shops in non-competing geographies and build like some cohesion and a support system for these sales folks. So we'll have a Slack community. We'll do twice a month meetings. I'll likely uh, facilitate a lot of the conversation. I'll be there for like one-on-one -on -one support. And as I grow the team, have my team be there for them as well. So a couple of things that I think it will accomplish. One, provide salespeople and print shops with like that level of support, sales leadership, motivation, like mentorship, coaching, right? But then two, ultimately, if our salespeople feel more supported, hopefully they'll sell more, right? So like there's a revenue impact behind it. Yeah, I'm excited. I just saw, I saw a void there and I, I think it's going to help a ton. I'm pumped to, to launch it and yeah, we'll see where it goes. I mean, 
I kind of want to be in that and I'm not an outside salesperson, but I feel like a lot of my daily role is kind of dealing with the higher level sales. Is there a spot in it for owners? Because, you know, you get to be like a million dollar shop and your sales team is like the person who helps you write up an order as opposed yeah. to like a real team. Are you going to be accepting owners in those smaller shops as well? Yeah, I've got a lot of, I've talked to quite a few shops and I've tried to get some feedback on like how to structure it. I'm likely going to start the first cohort as salespeople, but I think there are a lot of people like you, Cole, that have either maybe worked with me or maybe haven't, but still own sales and maybe even need that support system as well. Like we'll have a digital library with sales process and messaging and email campaigns and tooling recommendations and comp plan examples. Like that's going to be part of the benefit and part of the membership. I do, I do think an owner of a shop that's managing sales could find a lot of that stuff as beneficial as a shop salesperson. So yeah. uh, more to come on that, but highly likely there'll be an owner cohort as well. I actually like it because here's what I like about it. The fact that you're targeting the person that's below the owner because the owner a lot of time is so overwhelmed, right? We could get all this information. Like it sounds great. We excited. We're going to go execute. But when you get to the shop, there's another fire put out and that information doesn't tra like doesn't transfer like at least in a frictionless way to the salesperson. So if you have sure. that platform where maybe you could invite the owner and the salesperson, that probably could be uh, the thing yep. um, where both the, cause I could see the owner gonna wanna know what's going on in that, right? Especially if, if it's their people, they wanna know that their people are not gonna be approached or stuff like that as yep. the owner. Just to branch off in a brainstormy way. This kind of goes off something I was talking to Bruce about where he was talking about networking shops because the software of Printavo, like it already knows all of your information and it just doesn't have a way of communicating from one shop to the other automatically. If there was something inside of this network where it's like, hey, I landed 20,000 units. I want to take the money. I want to finalize the sale, but our shop has capacity issues. And then you had this private network of trusted individuals where you're like, well, you're only a one day ship away from me. That could be like an unbelievable networking opportunity as long as the shops are all on a consistent like print quality basis. Yeah, there's like, I mean, that's why mastermind groups and membership communities exist, right? Like there's a lot of value that comes with that. And think yeah. about me being a, a salesperson for a shop and I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, like there's probably things happening on the coasts or in rural America that I'm not doing that I could be doing. And I've got an issue and a challenge that likely other people in the group have been challenged with before and they have answers. It's like just this cohesion, I think we're, we're missing. Um, and I just, I just love to support those salespeople better. Kevin, like, so one thing I think helped me out a lot in my whole journey of being a shop owner, even now being the owner of this startup steps that I was just reading books, right? Reading books and getting information from that. And I think after our talk, I even went back to supplement my sales knowledge by reading the unsold mindset that came out just recently. There's a book that's called The Sale Accelerator. Like, what book are you reading as far as sale or a print shop owner could read and for sales that could really help them out? I think like my my two go tos, especially if a shop is is looking to launch an outbound strategy, uh, predictable revenue was like mm. the sales SaaS Bible, like software companies in 2012, 2013, 2014 that were growing, were using this predictable revenue model. It's like really tactical. The first six chapters are like, hey, if you wanna build an outbound sales engine, like here's what you do. From like roles and responsibilities to like strategy and outreach and like the approach, it's really good. And the latter half of the book is more on like sales management, sales leadership. I think a lot of what they were 
talking about in that book for software companies translates to print shops. It's like every sales organization I've built and the strategies that we've employed, they work at shops as well. So it's like, why not lean and steal from software companies that have grown and scaled sales organizations? The other book, I think this is more of like a mindset shift that shops need to take is called a challenger sale. The main theme in it is like teach, tailor and take control. It's like, instead of just like trying to be a relationship seller, like a lot of people talk about consultative selling or relationship-based selling and people buy from people they like, there definitely is truth to that. And that's important. Think about how much we know and how we can help people. We should be teaching them, tailoring the conversation and taking control of the sales process and running them through our process, not letting them dictate where we go and just trying to be nice and hope that if we're nice, they're going to buy from us. So the challenger sale, I think is a great read to really help shops, salespeople, shop owners, whoever is the customer facing folks at a shop to own and really manage the, the process better. Um, and it's also like, challenging people to think differently. So like as a shop salesperson, let's say you're a tap room manager at a brewery, you know, you're saying things like I talk to tap room managers at breweries all week, every day I'm on the phone with them. We help them print shirts. We help them manage their, their retail merchandise spend and process. I know the challenges that you have. I know you're facing this, this, and this I'm here to help, right? You're showing them that you're an expert, you know, show me, you know me, right? I, I know you, I'm an expert. I'm challenging them to think differently about their merchandising retail sales needs, right? It's just, that's really the model. So challenger sale and uh, predictable revenue, two, two good ones. Talking about revenue, I know that I struggle with figuring out what's competitive pricing um, versus what's profitable pricing. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, in our shop, we have print only. That's a public price. We have contract rates for people who dump 20, 20 to 30 jobs on us every month, no matter what. We have pricing for low volume, including the shirt. We have high volume, including the shirt. It just becomes insane. And so if somebody says, how much does a shirt cost? It turns into how many colors is the shirt? What is the blank? How, how quickly do you need it? It's like this giant questionnaire for me to just say that a shirt's $8. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on like smoothing that out and also making sure that you always have like a good margin and you're not just giving yourself a high volume of work? Yeah, I'm with you. So I would say from an inquiry perspective, it depends on if it's like coming inbound, you've worked with them before, it's net new, like if it's someone that's already a current customer and they want to know, like you can send them to your online form and say, just fill this information out and I'll be able to provide you with a quote, right? Pretty easy. But if it's someone new or if it's us going outbound, I like to take like a little bit more of a consultative approach and jump on a call with them to learn about what they need. So I would make it just a simple statement of, yeah, I can fill you in on, on pricing. Would love to learn a little bit more about the job and how we can help you and best support you. Let's schedule some time to just chat and make sure that we're the best fit for you and that we can best support you. And so like, you don't have to give them a price. I would just say, I want to talk about it. In that conversation, you're not only trying to uncover, you know, types of garments, you know, logo design, placement colors, all those things, right? But you're also trying to understand what are they going to use it for? Is it like a piece of retail merchandise that you want a really soft shirt so that people wear it? It's their favorite shirt. They always pull it out, right? And it's free marketing for that business. Or is it workwear? Is it a uniform? Is it for a construction company? That's not what you want. It's the opposite, right? I think it's okay to just say, you know, there's a lot of variables that go into that. Can we set aside some time so I can make sure to really understand what I need? Or if it doesn't warrant a discussion, ship them to the quote form and have them fill all that stuff out so you can then quote it from there. And kind of going along with that idea, I feel like 
print shops are more successful when they are catering to like, let's say nothing but brew pubs? Or do you think the kind of I'm your local print shop and so whoever thinks they're local enough can use me is actually a good like way forward. Some of my friends, they are basically nothing but merch management companies for like exclusively musicians. Yeah. And they don't even answer the phone. Like you either are an existing client or you're an existing client's like best friend. And that's it. Like they don't do marketing. They're just doing an unbelievably focused business. And then other people I know, they're doing the community church right before they do, you know, like the community bar right before they do the community high school. And it's just randomness. Yeah. Uh, Churches and churches and death metal bands. Like somehow finding a focus and optimizing your business for that focus. Yeah. To to each their own, right? Like if that's their focus and they're only doing band merch and they built a sustainable business off of it and that's all they're going to do, like, great, like run that. I love the specialization and the targeted approach. You know what they want. You're good. Managed it before. Like there's something to be said about that, like master of that domain. But I also think it's okay to be the, you know, the screen print provider and apparel, custom apparel provider for Milwaukee, right? Like that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I do think, however, if there is a concentrated effort by the shop to go outbound and find net new business, having a targeted industry and a specific approach is really critical. Like, for example, I'm not going to, if I'm building an outbound email campaign, I'm not going to say that we're the apparel provider for all companies of all things. Like I'm going to say, I'm going to only download that specific, let's say church list. And I'm going to say, we provide churches with and I'm going to be really specific in my language for that outbound campaign. So I, I think the only time to get really specialized is if we are going outbound or in your instance, Cole, if it's like, that's our business, that's what we do. That's what we're good at. As far as going outbound, I always just feel like a nuisance. How do you help salespeople not just feel like, hey, let me hassle you out of the blue? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, what, what is the difference there between a good salesperson and a cold call from somebody that you're just like, go away? It's that big step that shops have to take to start to go outbound. We always have this conversation, right? It's like, I feel like I'm going to annoy people and they're going to block me and they're never going to do business with me because I'm annoying people. It's like you two as business owners, you know how it is. You get cold called all day, every day. You get emailed nonstop. You get calls nonstop. But there's a reason why it's because it works cold calling works, right? And if you do want to go outbound and grow the business, the only thing that you can do if you're not good at marketing and have built good marketing campaigns and understand social and are really good at web ads and AdWords, right? If you're not going to put a bunch of money into marketing, you're going to have to put it in that outbound sales. And if I would say like, make it like I'm not a nuisance, I think really personalizing the messaging and communicating things like what we talked about. You know, I help construction companies and I work with office managers and GMs or foremen of construction companies all day, every day. And we're helping them with workwear solutions that are more reliable and take the pain out of them having bring on and and order uniforms. It's like, I can add value to you. Can we talk to see how I can help you like we've helped these other companies? So I think the messaging and the language is there, but also it's just like, it's a numbers game, right? Like it takes a lot of touches for someone to remember your name, your company and what you all do. That's just the nature of outbound. The other thing is like, y'all know that you're providing quality. You're providing good work. You're providing quality output. You give them a good customer experience. You're helping them. So like, I would try to get in that mindset of, yes, you might be an annoyance. And yes, they might delete your email or send you to spam. Yes, they're, they might not pick up your call. But coming in with that that like mindset of, I know if I get them live and I actually do print for them, we're going to do a great job and help them.
Like, I think that's the mindset they have to be in. And so kind of going along that same path, when you're trying to hire somebody who's capable of doing that, what would you look for? Would you be looking for someone with just a great attitude that's trainable? Or would you be looking for, you know, previous experience as being, you know, a lot more highly valued? Yeah, I think that question of like, when should I hire a salesperson or should I, or when's a good time? It's like that comes up in almost every conversation that I have with shops. The when question is interesting. It's like probably never a good time, right? It's like, when do you get a dog? When should I get engaged? When should I buy a new press? It's like, those are tough questions to answer. Um, but I do think like if a shop is defined to like, I want to grow, I want to own revenue, I want to get better. I think it's time, like pull the trigger on it. And then to answer your question specifically, like, should I look for someone that has print and apparel pr promo experience or should I hire someone just cold that I can train? I think it's, I don't think you need to hire someone with experience. And I think in a lot of instances, finding someone that maybe doesn't have any bad habits that you can teach and train your process, your approach, your shops, strategies. I think a lot of times it's even better. If you can find someone that fits your culture, that you think has good work ethic, that has been successful in the industry, and that you think would be successful for you and you have to spend less time training up front on like the garment industry and printing in general, great. But I think it's going to be pretty hard for most shops to find that like nugget of a person. So I think you can train them and like, yes, our business is much more sophisticated than just print this t-shirts, right? Like the printing methods and everything that goes into it, that stuff can be trained. Like you can give them a crash course, you can have them shadow team members, you can give them printed materials to, to research and look at. I would be more focused on finding the people that have the behaviors and competencies needed for success in a print shop sales job. So what are those? Like drive motivation, intrinsic desire, like they have to be motivated, right? They have to be able to want to go out, overcome a rejection and the monotony and minutia of cold calling like that sucks, right? So like they have to have that intrinsic motivation. They should be money motivated or, you know, really appreciate what money can get them because that's what they want. Because a lot of salespeople have that, that mentality, right? So th they should be empathetic. They should be good at communication, you know, like think about like what it takes to be a good salesperson. And those are like, those are the interview questions that I'm asking, you know, tell me a time when, you know, you had to do a less pleasant project or task. How did you motivate yourself to do so? Right. You know, t tell me about a time when you needed to persevere and overcome a lot of obstacles to be successful in, in something. What, what was that like? You know, I think those behavioral or situational based interview questions can a lot of times draw out have they exuded these behaviors and past experiences, past roles? It's a tough one though. Like bringing on a salesperson, bringing on any employee in a shop is challenging, right? We're small businesses. Every hire is critical and a bad hire can make a big impact. So it's a super important decision. And I haven't seen many shops take like a structured approach to it. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot that they can do to improve on sales hiring in general. One thing about the outside sales is a lot of times that role is either remote or, you know, in the office once or twice a week. I'd love to hear your thoughts and also Gavin's thoughts on how you kind of manage those people remotely. And what do you think is a realistic expectation between them having an unlucky month and them just blatantly, you know, not succeeding? There's some structure that we can put in place to, even if they are remote, to ensure that like when I look at key performance indicators, KPIs of salespeople, there's the activity metrics in like a funnel. And that funnels down to like outcome output metrics. Activity metrics would be calls, emails, in-person visits, like LinkedIn connections made. And then output would be meetings set, 
meetings held, jobs quoted, average job size, revenue brought in, right? So like if I'm metricing all that stuff pretty clearly, I, like I don't care if they're inside, you know, sitting in our shop or remote. And it's pretty interesting, right? Like through the pandemic, like remote work is now a thing. I do love having salespeople face-to-face in the software company that I'm involved in. We're Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, in person, Wednesday, Friday from home. So it's like a little bit of balance of both. Give them that flexibility and the, the comfortableness of being able to work in our homes, yeah. but also like a little bit more accountability and, and collaboration and cohesion of being able to work within the team. What are you finding, Gavin? Yeah, I mean, working remotely is a challenge. So you have to approach business in a different mindset where you have to be able to fill in a lot of the space that, like I find it's like, you've got to keep like information flowing in your business because there's a lot of dead air that could just create space for people to just make up whatever they want. So it's really about one, starting with, hey, it's part of your culture and also giving them tools to make sure the communication happens all the time. And a lot of times forcing the communication to happen, like just posing questions or setting meetings or just like doing like a kickoff in the morning, doing a check like at the end of the shift, give me a report of what you've done. You forcing that to happen. It's like, cause if not, it's just going to be so silent. They just gonna, they want to do the right thing a lot of time, but it may not be the thing that you want. For right? sure. So providing that guidance and managing that process is super important. If you want to like, and also like, I think in the beginning of the relationship, you really have the picture of what you want as an owner, right? You have to describe your vision in as much vividness as you can, right? So the person, like where you're not able to add details, the person will, oh, okay, he talked about these are generally what he wants or she wants, then I could go that way. So I think the first few, like the onboarding process is so important. Like, I would say don't wing that at all. If you're going to do anything remotely, don't wing that onboarding. Like the... Day one, we're going to do this. Day two, we're going to do this. This is when I'm going to let you go, right? Go do your thing by yourself. If you don't do that, then you really can't. You're not doing your part to set them, set them up for success. Yeah, I agree. That that like 90-day onboarding plan is so critical to their success, especially if they don't know our industry. Like there has to be that like knowledge transfer to them. And like, here's your KPIs. Like, let's work together on a plan of what 90 days looks like. Like when you finish your third month, you're like, what are we going to check off and say that that was really valuable and we did it or we didn't do it and we still need to accomplish it? The other thing to keep in mind too is most of these salespeople, when you bring them on, they're reporting to the shop owner. So it's like, as the shop owner, I'm now a sales manager, a sales leader. Like, what am I doing to motivate, coach, manage, improve them day to day? Like, I'm going to, I better have a one on one with them every week. What's the agenda that we run through in that one-on-one, right? Like, how am I, are we sharing metrics? How am I communicating success or not success? Like, there's a lot to think about before bringing on that salesperson in some structure like onboarding, like day-to-day management, like a one-on-one that that shops need to think about. Yeah. I actually read, I read this book a while back titled Built to Sell. It's not about sales, but it's really about building your business to sell it if you want it to, right? And it talks about most businesses, you start with the owner doing pretty much everything. And then the owner fills and say, somebody that could do production, somebody that could do uh, marketing. And usually the last thing that's less to to fill is sales. And unless you could fill that or get that off your plate, you will will never have a business that you could sell, right? Because the business cannot generate revenue without it coming through you right yeah. if you could have the business generate revenue without you 
knowing who the customer was, knowing what the job detail was about, somebody could print it and you could just be somewhere else. Then that's when you have a business that's sellable. So it's that sales piece is usually the last piece. And it's one of the hardest because like you have to let go of like one of the most important part of your business, which is money flowing in. You want to control that, right? Like you, most time we could give up production or even marketing, but you want to hold on tight to the money because you want to see that, but it's the money. Yep. Yeah. To scale, you got to get rid of, you got to get rid of that uh, responsibility, I think. So Kevin, kind of wrapping it all up, how would people reach out to you if they were interested in getting additional resources from you? And then also tell us again about when you're going to be launching the sales.inc um, so that people can at least get on a waiting list. Yeah, for sure. So uh, setsales.co, setsales.co, and then it's uh, sales.inc. Sales.inc is routing to set sales right now while I build out the site and build out all the details. Yeah, it's it's Kevin at setsales.co. Again, I'm happy to work work with shops and continue to, to support this industry. Yeah, just reach out. I'll be launching Sales Inc. I think June 1st, based on the reaction and response, hopefully start that first cohort. So again, we'll try to do 15 to 20 shop salespeople in non-competing geographies throughout, throughout the US and Canada and kick that off July 1. So yeah, there'll be an application process. Again, I want this to be a really curated group of people that hold quotas, have commissions, like they're actually selling in shops. And they're at shops that want to scale and grow. So I've got a questionnaire that I'm going to run them through and likely do a personal interview as well. I really want to curate, especially this this first group and make sure that it's the right fit. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for all of your time and, and speaking with us about all this. Yeah, enjoyed chatting with you guys. Good to catch up. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks thank you, Kevin. to everyone listening. Uh, have a good week.